this week on A Lively Experiment. Hi everyone, I'm Helena Folks, and I'm running for governor of Rhode Island. And now there are six. We'll tell you about the latest Democrat to announce she's running for governor. And what effect will the progressives have in this year's election cycle? A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by for more than 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazenwhite, Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program in Rhode Island PBS. Joining us with their insights, Sue Sienke, Chairwoman of the Rhode Island Republican Party, Billy Hunt, Chairman of the Libertarian Party of Rhode Island, and former Providence Mayor Joe Paolino. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Lively. I'm Jim Hummel. It is great to have you with us this week. The field is getting pretty crowded. Helena Folks announced on Wednesday she, too, would be running for governor, confirming something that had been rumored for months. Despite her deep Rhode Island roots, Folks has virtually no name recognition, but she does have a ton of money. Will that be enough to break away from the pack? Uh, let me begin with our resident Democrat, who's also run in a few races with many people in it. Um, just your initial reaction. Had you heard uh, the rumor that she was going to run? Heard that she was looking at it, but she's highly credible. Forget the money. Dartmouth, Harvard, 25 years at CVS, um, headed up um, Saks Fifth Avenue. She's a highly credible person. I don't know her that well. I don't even know if I've ever had a long conversation with her except to say hello, Hawaii. But I've always been an admirer of hers. And she comes from a great family. And she's super smart. And I think she wants to run for the right reasons. And that is to do something in Rhode Island. What does she bring that the other candidates don't have? Um, good business sense and hopefully uh, good common sense and somebody that knows how to bring people in from all sectors and bring them in to the table to try to straighten out problems. She's got great marketing skills being a CVS. I mean, how visionary can you be? I mean, she cut tobacco out of 8,000 CVS stores uh, nationwide. That's pretty good. The, 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 the card, the care card. I mean, she was involved in making all those things happen. So the difference between her and, and, and Gina Raimondo, Gina was, uh, became general and treasurer and people knew her. And now, and then when she ran for governor with, with Helena, she's going to have to go on the tube pretty quickly to really introduce herself um, to the people of Rhode Island. Gina Raimondo 2.0. We know that Gina Raimondo encouraged her to get into the race, and quite a few Democrats had called me up and said, hey, listen, Sue, why don't you talk to Helena Fuchs about running? But get her to run. She'll never run as a Republican because she's got deep political ties. You know, she's the niece of Christopher Dodd. Uh, Joe Biden came to her mother's wake. It was a, a, a line filled with establishment Democrats. So the establishment, you know, it sends two messages. We don't like McKee. He's screwing up. And certainly, I imagine that in Seth Magaziner's house that night, there were a lot of tears because I think he thought that he had Raimondo's backing. So it's going to be very interesting. I say, let's pop the popcorn and see what happens. Um, but this is Gina Raimondo 2.0. And certainly, is this another person that's going to use Rhode Island as a stepping stone to try to get into the U.S. Senate? But, I mean, I agree with Sue 100%. It seems like, uh, again, this is something that is a stepping stone for her to advance her political career. She's looking to enter the 
the fray. Um, and she doesn't seem like the type of person that's going to start at a mayor level or a state rep or a state senator or something like that. So uh, this seems like the natural fit for her to go and jump in as the governor. Um, you know, to Joe's point, I, I was really uninspired by her announcement video for someone who had done bold things like reducing the tobacco and all the marketing things, the long receipts at CVS and, and everything that's involved with that. Uh, there was a lot of inauthenticity inauthenticity uh, on her actual campaign uh, announcement. She touched some of the, the highlights, the climate change and, and being a leader in the green economy the, to kind of placate uh, that type of the, uh, the Democratic Party. But I think who she's focusing on are the establishment Democratic machine uh, that she's going to lean on heavily to try to get elected in the primary. Joe shaking his head over here. No, I don't think she's looking at it as a stepping stone. She doesn't need a stepping stone. She's a highly credible businesswoman who's, who has great accomplishments behind her. I think we're lucky to get her in. But I will say this. You talked about Magazina. They weren't too happy. I don't know the path of victory for her because she is a moderate, I would assume. I think McKee is somewhat of a moderate. And you know who I think the, the, today the person that benefits the most is probably Matt Brown. And I'm going to say something. With five candidates in the race in a Democratic primary, you could win with 28% of the vote. This is going to call for runoffs. You need a runoff um, primary election for both Democrats and Republicans. Either put everybody in one. You want 50%. You need 50%. We can't have people uh, being nominated with 25%, 28% of the vote, no matter what political party you're in. And I think the legislature is going to have to seriously look at this. Do we want to have a nominee of either party become the nominee with 28% of the vote? I don't think that's right. Why, why if you don't get 50, excuse me, if you don't get 50%, let the two top vote getters run against each other two weeks after and then the winner wins. Why stop there, though? Why stop at the primary? Why not do runoff elections in the general election that would actually oh, give we should. ability for an independent third-party candidate to run for office? I and, agree. And the other thing is, is why are us, as uh, I know this is something that's uh, countrywide, but why are the taxpayers paying for the Republican Party and the Democratic Party to establish who their candidate is? Uh, the Libertarian Party will nominate our, our slate of candidates at our convention in April at no taxpayer expense. The fact that we are funding uh, both of these private corporations to decide who their actual candidate's going to be, and then to have the candidate uh, win with a low percentage of the vote in less than 30 percent of the eligible voters in the state voting in a primary seems like a not effective way to uh, elect a leader in the state. Well, I think it will be interesting. We've already seen one of the Democratic candidates, and that's Mayor Alorza, drop out of the race. He certainly had a large campaign fund. So we'll see what happens. You may not end up with all six of these people. I'm sure that they are going to do their own independent polling to see, you know, name recognition, how credible a candidate. And it will be interesting to see who drops off before next September, because that's a long way off. So I, I don't disagree with you. Um, we've already had a governor here that was not elected by 50% of the people. A number of them. Yeah. You, you had McKee. I mean, not McKee. You had Link, uh, Chafee. You had Link Chafee. You had Gina Raimondo. In the first election. You're right. 40, and 41, then she got 42% over 50 of the vote. Listen, yeah. when I first got elected mayor, I had 41% of the vote because there was, there was a Fred Lippitt and Kevin McKenna. Quite frankly, there should have been a runoff afterwards. And I think that is a unifying message that you as the leader of the Republican Party and the Democrat chairman should get together and say, we want a governor who's going to be elected with 50% of the vote or more. And if there's a libertarian and independent in it, 
Two weeks later, let them and run the against each other. And the third-party candidate hurt Alan Fung twice. Not as much in well, the last I, election. I'm not so sure it, it hurt him uh, substantially enough to uh, give him a pathway to victory. All right, we're seven minutes into this program, and everybody's saying, Hummel, we've been talking about Susie Yankee for the last couple of weeks. Let's talk to her. <laughs> Who's going to run on the Republican side? Who's going to get the – Who do you, you said a couple of months ago, we'll have somebody by the end of September. So, Last I checked, know. it's October 15th, <laughs> right? Are yeah. you on a different calendar? I actually, yes. You know, as state party chair, you have a schedule, and you'd like your candidate to come out and say, I'm absolutely running. But the candidate has a different schedule. Of course, you know, it's a, it's a big lift. Um, it impacts someone's family. It impacts finances, how you're going to make a pathway to victory. And certainly with the number of Democratic candidates, you're watching to see how that plays out. And I will agree with Joe that I think Helena folks jumping into the race, the person that it benefits the most is Matt Brown, because he is so different and, and has such a different message than any of the establishment uh, Do you have Democrats. somebody besides Dave? And Dave Darlington kind of came out of left field two weeks ago. A lot of people don't. We know who he is. But right. do you have somebody besides Dave yes, Darlington? Yes, we do have somebody and besides. And when do you anticipate that announcement? Sometime soon. <laughs> so, you know, so don't knock Dave D Darlington, though, because, quite frankly, who knew John Robitaille, Robitaille and he almost won? Yeah. Right. So you don't know what's going to happen. The election's not today. And as we all know in politics, one week is a lifetime. So you've got to wait it out. And when I say I think Brown benefits today from Helena's announcement, that's today. You know, the election's not today. It's a, it's a year from now. Yeah, McKee's had a rocky couple of months. You know, it's, 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 yeah. you know right? McKee has everything going for him. You got the, the vaccination giving out. You have all that money to give out. To have the, some of the problems he has is self-inflicted. And it's too bad. He's a good man. And, and he's trying hard. He's working around the clock. But he's created some of his own problems. And I say that because I hopefully he listens and you, you can't have these problems. Billy. Well, I, I, again, I think uh, to the point about Matt Brown and, and his uh, benefit of having folks join the race is that uh, the campaign and the demographics of how campaignings are done now seem to be changing, especially here in the state of Rhode Island. It's less so much about the media buys and the advertising and the traditional thing, and it's more on the boots on the ground volunteers door knocking. Uh, and as you know, you see with Matt Brown and the uh, Matt Brown and the political cooperative that he's you know loosely involved with, uh, they have those resources to get those volunteers. Uh, um, look at the uh, the special election in the east side of Providence for the Senate race. Uh, the number of door knockers and volunteers and money that came into that race uh, directly as a result of the, uh, the the progressive leftist movement in the state. What a go ahead. No, I was going to say I agree with Billy. You know, it comes to your ground game. And the Rhode Island Cooperative, you know, don't count them out. I think that they're very smart. They've got a passion to get out there. Um, and they do. They go out and they door knock and it will be very different. But I also agree with Joe that it's a long time till next November and things can happen very quickly. And I agree. I, I was, um, you know, anticipating and very encouraged when McKee took over because he promoted himself as a small business guy. He's very affable, very approachable. You know, he's he's met with a lot of different groups. And then he just came in and things have just not gone well for him at all. But he's lucky that the election's not right, right. now, was, and he can correct that, and he can put together maybe a better team with him. And when he, in having a good investment of how that money is going to be spent, investment, not spending it, 
but we got to invest in Rhode Island. You have the Rhode Island Foundation, Neil Steinberg, is coming out next week with recommendations. He's had a panel on the uh, studying federal stimulus on, money. on how to invest that stimulus money. I think that's going to be a guide for this governor to follow to invest in Rhode Island. And if he follows that, he's going to be tough to beat. What Go ahead. But I, and I think the General Assembly has uh, a group that they've amassed together to talk about how that money is best going to But what a change from a year ago when Governor Armando was basically making all the decisions and the legislature ceded the power. Joe, you've been in the Democratic Party and watched and you know as, as well as anyone. What about the effect of the political cooperative? They've had a couple of hiccups now. with some. There's been some social media issues and changing on positions and whatever. But what effect are they going to have on this election? And it's a trickle into the General Assembly and some local races, too. It, it is having an effect. Um, they are very passionate. But somebody once said to me, the difference between a liberal and a progressive is a liberal you can talk to, reason, try to come to compromise. We see some of that happen in Washington. But the progressives, if you disagree with them on one issue, you're dead. And that's their problem. They got to, politics is an art of compromise. Governing is the art of compromise. Republicans and Democrats coming together. I'm a Democrat, but I'm ticked off that there's not more bipartisanship going on in Washington. I'm upset that McConnell doesn't want to do things for the Democrats. I'm upset that, that Bernie Sanders is saying it's my way or the highway and the three and a half trillion. These guys, they're, they're all going crazy today. And I think that you have to sit at the table like you did years ago. That's, you know, it's time for common sense. Common sense needs to dictate. And, and I would hope that the progressives start seeing that maybe they're better off working at the table and less at the microphone. What about the progressives? So I, I agree with Joe. You know, we've got to get back. entirely too much agreement No, here. no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, agreement. See? Common sense. There you common go. sense. Um, you know, we've got to get back to the days of Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill, where they sat down, and Joe is right, that politics is all about, uh, you know, compromise, coming together and finding a solution that's best, and certainly best for Rhode Island. The progressives have certainly take, taken over and said it's scorch earth. It's either our way or the highway. And that's not the right way to do things, because nobody is right 100% of the time. You know, you have to listen, and I don't think there's enough listening going on. But in terms of Mitch McConnell, he actually went and compromised. He actually said, okay, let's let's talk about the debt ceiling. Yeah. And there were people... Jack told me how that happened. Joe yeah. Manchin went up to him. Yeah, and, and said... And Joe Manchin made the deal. Yeah, but yep. that's okay. You know, that's okay. You, you have to find whatever it is to get the deal done. Let's see how, it, go, let's see how it goes in December. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, there's certainly an orthodoxy in their uh, political philosophy. And as you saw with the number of candidates and they've been going back and vetting them, uh, people don't always live up to that, uh, that orthodoxy that they're, they're, they're pushing. Um, you know, I think what this should be um, for everybody is a wake-up call about how organized they are and what, uh, you know, they're not just willing to be happy. I think the $15 an hour minimum wage is a great example. The co-op started in 2019 and they were pushing for the $15 minimum wage. Here we are in 2021 leading to the 2022 election and that amount has already increased to $19 an hour. So inflation is a problem in the state uh, as it is across the country, but uh, that's a big jump over you know just a couple of years. And uh, I think really the, the thing that people need to understand is that they are operating out of a necessity to this quasi uh, nonprofit status uh, because they are a separate 
separate organization from the Democratic Party. Um, we face a lot of the same issues as the Libertarian Party because we don't have the same status as the Republicans or the Democrats. So we need to find creative ways to have events, get uh, you know fundraisers, money to the candidates, everything like that. They're dealing with the same thing. Uh, my problem with that approach is not so much how they're doing it. It's the disingenuousness and the dishonesty of running a campaign that's not democratic. As, as uh, Joe said, the, the Democratic Party has changed significantly. They are changing the party. Uh, they think they should either, uh, the Democrat Party should either fully embrace the progressive label or the progressives should start their own political party, in my opinion. My friend, Matty Smith, who was Speaker of the House for a number of years, said to me once, I never left the Democratic Party. Democratic Party left me. Hmm. And that has happened, and it's happened with the Republican Party, too. All that Trump stuff. You know, it's the middle of the road. It's the common sense. It's between the 40 and the 40-yard line. That's where this country is. I think that's where Rhode Island is. Just, just before we move on, I'm old school, uh, and, and I was used to the day, and Joe, you ran a number of elections. You get the podium, you get the supporters, you get the balloons, you announce, and then you answer questions. Helena Folks is sitting in, in her house in Narragansett. Seth Magaziner had the announcement and then didn't answer any questions and jumped in the car. Well, at least is your guy going to have a, a, a oh, yes. traditional ticket? Are, are you blowing up the balloons already yeah, or what? Helena Folks has been answering. She, she did a number of interviews yesterday. Yeah, but why? Yeah, after the fact. Yeah, after and it, the fact. And it, I no, think but the announcement is this canned three-minute video. Awful. What about standing in front of a podium and taking it from all the reporters and then... Now, I understand that, you know, they can only do a minute, minute and a half on television. You think the reporters are going to go with all this COVID stuff? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I think that they're interested in the story. The number of reporters that had reached out to me and while I was on the phone with them, they were going back and forth in emails to the candidates oh, that have already announced. announced. Joe, they'd be there. I mean, they I, would be. Yeah. They would absolutely. If they said, hey, I'm announcing for governor. Of course, they're going to be. You there. know, it's and it certainly helps you. And and the the more that you do it, the more you talk to reporters, the better you get at it. And then people actually understand. But you saw what Gina Raimondo hide behind social media in her last. She was not, it was a lot of pushing the videos out. And look, it got her over 50%. I'm so not going to criticize Gina Raimondo. She's the Secretary of Commerce, and she had a very successful tenure as governor, and she helped us through this pandemic. I'm just uh, talking is about... Is he living in the same universe that I am? Very successful. We're at 50. We're at the bottom of all the rankings. Um, and I will have to say about Governor McKee, I think he's much more approachable. I think that the he reporters is. actually do like his access um, that he has given them. Much better than Gina Raimondo. Was. Well, again, it's, it's Gina 2.0. It's, it's, it's being, you're running the campaign based upon PR people. They're the ones that are just making the decisions. They're putting out the, the videos. It's, everything's just kind of pre-canned, uh, you know, specially set up. It's like uh, Joe Biden in the White House with his TV set. Nothing's as it appears. And that goes back to my original point is there's not a lot of authenticity to her message. She's just kind of this established can establishment candidate uh, who's going to provide the political status quo. And, you know, and that's and, really what it is. And I think that's where you see the anger. You see the anger in the population that people are very upset with the canned answers. They want authenticity. They want to be in front of people. They want the answers. And you, we're not seeing that from, from the uh, people that have Our, our country is going through every city and state and in the nation. We have a problem of workforce in health care, caregiving for seniors or child care. You have problems in the restaurant industry, hotel industry. 800,000 people have not gone back to work. And, and we, have, we have barges 
that are in front of the Suez Canal, the Panama Canal. They're in they're in L.A. trying to deliver goods. They don't have enough workers to do that. You have trucks. Excuse me. Let me finish. <laughs> and you have truck drivers. You can't re recruit truck drivers anymore. Those are the problems that we're facing today. I don't think Helena folks are the typical politicians. If anything, she's not a politician, but she understands the issues that I've just talked about, and I hope Governor McKee understands them too. I I'm really surprised, as you are, that the uh, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, is not doing a better job with the uh, transportation in this country. I mean, this is kind of the issue, right? We're getting these policy wonks, these people who are running their entire campaign on PRs. There's no substance there. They're getting brought up into the cabinet, giving these ridiculous positions that are way above their, their promoted. Wait, wait, you don't think he's qualified for that position? What? what, <laughs> what, what so you know, so he's, it, bringing, he's bringing, equi he's bringing did, equity to the transportation. Did, We're all did, not getting Didn't he anyway. get an infrastructure bill passed through the Senate, and now they're working in the House? Oh, God. Yeah, maybe you can Have you it. ever been to South Bend, Indiana? I mean, I think the thing that, that makes it successful is the University of Notre Dame. Other than that, I'm not quite sure me, he was a successful mayor. Let me just do this mayor. before we, because we're, you know, time moves on. Uh, as, as long as I had the two chair people here of the individual parties, uh, how is it going in terms of lining up candidates? I know we're a year out, but you've got to start. And it starts right at the local level, state house, uh, you know, general assembly and local. How's it? Actually, go lower. Go lower to the school committee and town council. We have had so much interest in running for school committee based upon what is going on in the schools. Statewide or in pockets of? Everywhere. Oh. Everywhere. There is such a, um, a growing uh, frustration with what is happening in the schools. And I said, you know, one of the good things that happened after COVID was that parents were actually paying attention to what was being taught to their children in schools. And I think a lot of parents were horrified as to the, the education that their students were getting. So they started becoming more, more involved. Okay, so I have we, been to more school committee members, just more school committee meetings in the past couple of months than I was when I was actually on a school committee. Well, we and have fewer than 50% of the General Assembly seats uncontested. That's been a big problem. Right. But you haven't have been to, able to find candidates. You know, for, from a Republican standpoint, you have to build, you have to start small. You have to start with your farm team. And the farm team is school committee, town council members, get people involved in their local politics because all politics is local. Billy knows it all about there. starting small. Well, that's what it's all about. And uh, I think, you know, we're, we're dealing with a lot of the same issues as the Republicans are in this in this state. Uh, the, we have the added difficulty of people understanding what the Libertarian Party is, what the philosophy is. And that's a real tough, uh, you know, road to hoe to, to get that information out there. And I think as people start uh, getting more involved, start waking up to the differences and the changes that are happening in politics, uh, I think that they're going to start to realize that there's other options out there. And somebody who may not be super excited about running as a Republican may be more open to run as a libertarian. Somebody who's thinking about running as an independent may want some additional resources that they can't get going alone. Uh, it, it's really just a matter of getting the messaging out and getting it out there. We're at a disadvantage because uh, we have to kind of split our focus from the local to also the, the, the governor's race because we're trying to find a governor to get 5% of the vote so we can get actual party status in the state. I think the most important thing, if you care that much about the Libertarian Party, is not that for you to win an election, it's maybe for both Democrats and Republicans to think somewhat Libertarian, and maybe some of the views that you have that can bring both parties together, because there are some good ideas that the Libertarians have. Um, I believe the big issue that we're going to be seeing next year is going to, and I really believe this, I think you're going to see the legislature... It's going to have to change the election laws and do this runoff.
I think it's to their best interest. I think it's something that could bring both the Republican, Democratic, and Libertarian parties. What about having governor together? and lieutenant governor run together on the yeah, same sure. ticket? Yeah, sure. Let, let, let them run together. You know, it's interesting. Um, you know, I never lived in a state where they didn't run together. Right. So it, moving to Rhode Island 25 years ago, and, and really uh, Bob Healy brought the status to the lieutenant governor's office that they have no role. Right. And certainly we saw that with Raimondo and uh, McKee that didn't really get along. So I agree. They should be on the same ticket and give the lieutenant governor some power. Give them something to do. Because what happened was Gina Raimondo left for Washington, and Dan McKee, really, they didn't coordinate well, that was a communication thing. I mean, look, right. uh, Liz Roberts carved out her niche. Dan McKee right. carved his with the small businesses. Dan McKee went after small businesses. He just didn't communicate Richard with Leach was Romano. lieutenant governor. He's yeah. one of the most active lieutenant governors you ever had in the history of Rhode Island. All right, let's do this. Let's get uh, LG. I was going to say that it's a, it's a Rorschach test. It's, it's, it's whatever the person decides it is because there's no definition to the right. role. We just eliminate it entirely. All right, right. let's get to outrages Save and or. Save a million dollars. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, Miss Yankee, what do you have? Outrage Wow, kudos. there are so many. Many. Um, I didn't well, know try what. To contain yourself. I know there were so many different things, but I think I'm just still outraged over uh, the um, Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, when he said he wanted to uh, get the names of parents that were domestic terrorists for going to their school boards and the violence. There have really been no incidents of violence against school boards. It's really angry moms that are going and talking about the education system. So I think he overstepped his bounds. Um, any issues that happen at a local school board can certainly be taken care of by the local police. They do a very good job. Um, and I just think it sends the wrong message. Trying to silence parents when they are absolutely so outraged at what is you should be happy on. that they're actually participating in the process, yes. but don't mess with the angry moms. Um, outrage or kudo? I, I have a little bit of both. Uh, my outrage is that, uh, you know, Governor McKee was on the radio or uh, the press briefing for the COVID press briefing yesterday. Uh, they were talking about closing the emergency hospitals. They were talking about 90% vaccination rate in the state. We have over 70% uh, vaccination rate in New England and all the New England states. Our hospitalizations are down. Uh, everything is down, uh, and yet he's going to extend the uh, state of emergency on Saturday. So my big question is, uh, what is the state of emergency? What is, why are we having this? Instead of the reporters asking the question, what is the reason for having this executive order? They're going ahead and asking when the next vaccination mandate, who's is going to affect Ness next? They should be asking about, uh, you know, when this executive order is going to end. Uh, the kudo I have for Damaki is there's no indication that he's going to require people to wear garlic around their necks with Halloween coming up to keep the vampires <laughs> away. So that's a good thing, I think. So I, uh, that was not part of the official announcement, but we'll learn. Right, we'll 19 months is too long for a state of emergency. Exactly. Yeah, do, you, 19 uh, do you have an outrage or a kudo, Mayor? Um, two things. One, uh, vaccination is uh, an outrage. Why people aren't getting vaccinated. You know, Rhode Island's got one of the highest rates. I think we're like number two or three. We have to be, you know, over 70 percent. We have to be 100 percent. And if you love your friend, you love your neighbor, get vaccinated. Uh, secondly, I just want to say that uh, Rhode Island lost an icon, a business icon, and Brian Goldner, uh, who is the chairman of Hasbro, a good man, cared about the community, cared about the people that worked for him, cared about the industry, and brought great recognition to Hasbro to not being just a toy company, but it became an entertainment company, getting involved in movies, and really expanded Hasbro in a big way. And it's going to be a big loss to the people of Rhode Island that, of his passing, to he, to his family, and to the fellow workers at Hasbro. I think all Rhode Islanders will miss him. 
Yes, I, I think he did do a great job. And, and lastly, we want to wish uh, former President Bill Clinton a speedy recovery. Mm. You know, we all know that he's in the hospital and we want to wish him well. Absolutely. All right, folks, you know what? We have some national issues to discuss, so let's uh, let's do a lively extra. Right now, go to ripbs.org slash lively. You want to talk a little bit more about those vaccination mandates, Joe, and uh, a couple other things on the national front. Uh, if you can't catch us on Friday at 7, Sunday at noon, uh, you can uh, always catch us online again at ripbs.org slash lively. Check us out on our fa uh, Facebook page and Twitter. And also you can catch us on your favorite podcast. I joked last week we weren't sure who was going to be uh, announcing for governor next. We had an announcement. So come back <laughs> next week just in case. Uh, for those who can't stay with us, Billy and Sue and Joe, thanks. For the rest of you, stay with us for one more segment. And we'll see you next week as a lively experiment continues. Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by. For more than 30 years, a Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program and Rhode Island PBS.